Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd. And this is my vomit. This is going to be kind of a shorter episode. Um, I've been working a lot at my day job. I'm actually there right now, so if my voice sounds a little weird, it's just that I'm in a different space than I normally am when I record. And unfortunately, Troy and I could not coordinate our schedules uh, between his and my hectic uh, schedule. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into the vomitorium. I'm going to get as far as, as I can. I know he wants me to save a few things uh, to talk about next week, so hopefully we'll meet up next week and you'll have the full nerd vomit experience. Uh, first, and this is going to be weirdly alphabetical, but I'll talk about that later, uh, Borderlands. Uh, the obsession has come to its uh, finale. Uh, I have finished all of Borderlands 2. I started playing the prequel and went, meh, I don't really care right now. Um, and then I played the DLC, the um, Commander Lilith and the Fight for Sanctuary, which bridges the gap between Borderlands 2 and the upcoming Borderlands 3 in September. And that was so much fun. But in the interim that I've been putting out all of our Denver Pop Culture Comic-Con stuff, the note says it never ends because it was like, okay, I'm almost through all the DLC for Borderlands. And then, boom, the uh, Lilith and Sanctuary DLC came out. And I was like, oh, my God, this never ends in a good way. But uh, I was ready to move on to a different game, which I will talk about in a little bit as well. Um... But the obsession has come to its finale in, in ways that I didn't expect it as well, because I finally pulled the trigger on a bunch of other Borderlands accoutrements. Um, I picked up the, uh, the three volumes of the graphic novels that are uh, prequels to uh, the original Borderlands, and then I bought every Funko Pop of Borderlands. Um, I mean, I, I originally had uh, just the Handsome Jack one, uh, but then I was like, well, I've never completed a set, so I'm going to complete... The first set, which was only uh, Handsome Jack, Mad Moxie, a Psycho, and Claptrap. Uh, and then uh, I found a E3 exclusive Maya, who's the Siren character from Borderlands 2, uh, at GameStop. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was looking at the back of the box, and I was like, oh, they got some cool ones for the second set. And I ordered all of them, um, including the, the fan favorite Tiny Tina. Uh, and uh, she was it, she had a bit of a price tag Um but it, it worked out in that like uh, during uh, I had my pay week and all my bills were paid and my credit card like my my monthly like oh I can buy something on my credit card time came up uh, so everything kind of uh, aligned planetarily cosmically for me to get Tiny Tina and spend the money that I'm not gonna say uh, I got the money but I'm just not comfortable saying how much I just spent on a Funko but it uh, it 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 made it made the roommate go. What are you thinking? And I was like, I'm thinking that I want Tiny Tina. I'm thinking that I'm gonna have all the Borderlands Funkos. So fuck off. Uh, I'm gonna treat myself. So uh, the Borderlands comics have, have been great. Uh, the art spectacular. The writing is dead on. I I don't know if the guy played the games, and unfortunately, the the name of the artist and writer are escaping me. But the writing is spot on to the character voices, um, and I don't know if you wrote on the games or if you played the games, but uh, it's fantastic, and you don't even have to, like, play the games to understand what's going on. I mean, you might be like, well, you know, what, you know, how do these, it, it mostly it talks about how the characters kind of came together before the first Borderlands, so it's like the fall of Firestone, how kind of Marcus starts his, like, little gun-running operation, and how Claptrap becomes part of the group. Um, as well as, uh, it's the third volume, which I haven't started yet, I'm going to start tonight, uh, is like the backstory of Dr. Tannis and the Vault, who's a, she's an unhinged kind of mad scientist 
who's obsessed with this mysterious alien vault, but she's very bizarre in the games. Uh, let's see. Next thing. Ah, alphabetical watching. See, I said I'd bring it up. Uh, I have so much to watch uh, because, basically, there's no summer anymore. And what I mean by that is that in network television, you have the sum they have the summers off. And normally the summers would be like, okay, that's what I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play catch up on um, something like, you know, five seasons or six seasons of Veep, and I'll just start watching that because I have nothing else. The networks are, you know, on hiatus. But now with the rise of Hulu and Amazon and YouTube and um, Netflix, if I said Netflix twice, I'm sure I did. Um, and the DC streaming, and then of course the Disney streaming eventually, and I mean all this stuff. They don't care about like release like schedules. Um, really, so there's always something to watch, which is great, but that means like I don't have the time to like catch up on things. So I'm literally everything I have to watch. I'm just slamming through alphabetically. I'm just like starting at the top of the list and going, okay, I'm gonna watch this and I'm gonna watch that and then I'm you know onto this. So literally the next like couple weeks of me talking about stuff. If you pay attention, you'll be able to tell like that I'm watching things alphabetically because the first thing is Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is one of those weird misstep movies where it's not quite a misstep, but I know that, that I wasn't the target market. And it's more of, they, they put out these weird kind of off-brand Batman cartoons. Um, and I think we're pretty much made to like sell toys um, as opposed to being like a DC animated feature, which are always top-notch phenomenal. Um, and this one kind of, basically the story is like, Shredder and Rachel Ghoul have teamed up, and you know the Ninja Turtles and and Batman have to team up against them. And uh, I will say, weirdly enough, uh, something I never thought I'd say, but I mean, it makes total sense with these characters. The fight scenes are awesome. Um, Batman fighting the Shredder was badass. The Ninja Turtles attacking Rachel Ghoul and him fending them off, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "I invented Ninja. I'm a million years old." And they're like, "What?" It was crazy. It was awesome. The first half awful. I mean, just the whole like good guys meeting each other and fighting and, you know, it was it was kind of silly and predictable. Um, but the second half, uh, once they team up, great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it kind of worked in that I watched it in those, like, kind of two chunks. I didn't watch the whole thing all at once. And because the first half, I was like, meh, all right, it's a little paint by numbers. And the second half was, was great. Just a lot of action, a lot of great character development. Um, and just fun, because you had, like, Robin and Batgirl as well uh, with Batman. So it's, like, the whole, like, kind of teams of the, of the Turtles and the Bat family. Is it the best DC animated? No. And I said that. Um, it's kind of a, one of those weird off-brand ones. Um, watch it if you get the chance. I mean, it's kind of a nostalgia quake for, you know, Batman and Ninja Turtles. But other than that, it was just, it was, it was there. Um, it came out, and I, at the time, didn't have anything to watch, so I saw that. Uh, Black Mirror Season 3, I am not impressed with. I think ever since Black Mirror went to Netflix, it's become less edgy, soft, uh, toothless, in my opinion. Uh, nothing has that edge of the first two seasons that run BBC. And I don't know if it's uh, The Law of Diminishing Returns with Charlie Booker. I don't know if it's Netflix. I, I don't know. But this last season, uh, while only being three episodes, thank God, were not great. Uh, Vipers, the ending of it, makes no sense emotionally at all. I'm trying to remember the, what the second episode was. Though, the second episode was actually good because it had, like, no, like, new crazy technology. It was like, dude, that 
the effects of social media on our lives, like, could happen tomorrow, like literally tomorrow. Um, that that second episode of Smithereens, I believe it's called. Uh, there there wasn't like any like super high tech like oh what weird Twilight Zone thing is this you know tech that it could exist in fifty years and it do like no this was it was all very ground based and I liked it a lot um, especially once again when you're it, you're rooting for the worst people um, you found that on the on the um, like the trolling episode two seasons ago or a season ago um, and then same Smithery Smithereens. Um, so spoiler alert, like the guy you're rooting for, yeah, he's not always cracked up to be. And then the one with Miley Cyrus where her brain gets put into a little like robot doll and then she's in a coma and then they're going to make a digital version of her to sell records and tickets. It was silly, just fucking silly. Um, so I think that, uh, I think Charlie Booker needs to kind of re-examine, um, you know, was it that he was like young and hungry and edgy uh, on the BBC, and then as you know the money came in from Netflix, um, did they affect his writing? Is it that you know he's not because all the ideas are good, but their execution is poor, piss poor in my opinion. So I mean, once again, the production value has gone up, and they're getting names, but it, it doesn't have that stringent edge to it, that salt in the wound. Um, that the, the original six episodes from BBC uh, had, and the Christmas special with John Hamm, which is always one of my favorite episodes. So, uh, lastly, I'll just... Uh, oh, no, I might, I might do a few more. Cloak and Dagger Season 2. This was one where I held off because I was like, I'll get to it when I get to it. And once again, with this whole alphabetical watching thing, I got to it, and I just slammed through it. I gotta say, like, the, the take they had on Despair... Uh, which in the comics is a demon that eats people's despair, uh, was really interesting. It was a suicidal like jazz musician who suffered from migraines and he absorbed people's despair to like the, 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 to like eliminate his headaches. And he kind of had like a um, like a mental subspace that was like a record store where he kept like all of the people's despair catalog uh, like on vinyl. And it was a really cool visual and really neat stuff that they played around with by, you know, being able to play the records and affecting different characters when he, when that guy wasn't around. Um, also, you know, they wrapped up the whole, uh, the cop, had, you know, had split off and had two different personalities, her, the cop Bridget, and then Mayhem, and Mayhem was kind of her killer edge. And then being brought together in Cloak's kind of dark force dimension was really cool. Um, I would have liked that once again... You know, I know it's on Freeform, which is what ABC or Disney Family or whatever it was. And I, I once again, I expect, you know, I mean, it's family friendly, but like they still say asshole and douchebag. And I think I heard a couple shits in there. Like, they don't drop F-bombs, but um, the, the violence and the language is a lot more sophisticated than I expect from something that used to be ABC Family. And maybe they figured out Freeform is something that they can market towards young adults. And obviously young adults use bad words and are, you know, fairly okay with, um, you know, TV violence. So once again, it, Cloak and Dagger really impressed me this season. It's always one of those, I go, oh yeah, I'll catch it when I, when I, but, and I'm never like really excited about it. But then when I watch it, I go, why am I never excited for this? Like, I gotta remember I like this. Um, and it's good and it's fun. And it's a, a really unique, you know, I mean, they can do so much with the characters because Cloak and Dagger are not huge characters. They're not the Avengers and they're not like, like, 
like they're not like name brand like you know household names so they can like kind of go off the beaten path that you could that you couldn't with Iron Man or Captain America or you know even Daredevil um, where there's a lot of history there to be entrenched in uh, Cloak and Dagger doesn't really have that um, and they have talked about them crossing over with the Runaways uh, on Hulu which is interesting uh, Disney owns both ABC and Hulu so. Um, I would like to see uh, Cloak and Dagger and the Runaways cross over because that happened in the comics. Um, and I'd love to see that kind of nod. That and it's like Teenage Heroes. Um, you know, that they're, they're, you know, they're all Runaways, which I love. Lastly, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up lastly here. Cobra Kai Season 2. I had some friends that said they didn't like it. I don't know why. Um, I think it was a lot of character... I mean, the entire season was pretty much all character-driven. Uh, between Daniel Sun and uh, Johnny Lawrence and uh, the return of Crease and uh, Miguel and S uh, the girl Sam and uh, Robbie. Like that whole love triangle that's being like pressured in by this whole Miyagi Dojo Cobra Kai thing. Um, and then, you know, you have all the like, you know, the actual human drama and the adult drama and the kid drama, um, the high school drama. And uh, just. Fantastic, and I did not see that season finale coming a mile away. I didn't. Um, I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna spoil it. But uh, Cobra Kai was one of those. It's like I, I don't know how my friends didn't like it, and maybe it's because it was more character driven and less action this time, or maybe it was the nostalgia has worn off for them. Um, I know Deb had talked to me about it, and she goes, "Well, it's lazy," and I go, "Well, how's it lazy?" And then she doesn't say anything. Um, I think she just thinks they're, they're phoning it in, and I don't have a, a, a specific reason why she would say that. Um, I, I don't think they did. I think everything, everything they set up got paid off wonderfully. Um, there were twists, there were turns, and like I said, that finale, specifically with Miguel and, and Crease and Johnny, I didn't see coming. Even though one of, the, one of those two things I should have, the whole thing with Crease, I should have seen coming. Um, because the setup on it was a really weird scene very early on, and I was... I should have been like, hmm, that scene didn't seem to fit anywhere, and, and you know, why was it there? Well, that's because it gets paid off ten episodes later at the finale. But Cobra Kai, yeah, I love it. I can't wait for the third season. I hope it happens. Um, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, YouTube hasn't released, you know, any of the viewership numbers, but, you know, you've got William Zabka, you've got uh, uh, Ralph Macchio. Will Smith is an executive producer on it? I didn't know that. I was looking at it going, hmm, it's him and John Lasseter, who's like a big name in production, so I hope this, you know, keeps on trucking, and it, it you know, it's probably not as expensive as it looks, um, because it's all like karate and then like fighting and stuff, there's no like huge set pieces, there's no like huge CGI, uh, there's no real special effects, really. Um, I mean, they had a scene where there was like some kind of state fair type of thing, and they had like fireworks, but there was no like... Godzilla monster or anything, or, you know, uh, uh, like a zombie Mr. Miyagi that needs to be, like, CGI'd in. Like, they're not doing that. So, uh, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to uh, kind of pull it right there and draw the, pull the drawstring on this vocal sweatpants. And uh, I will say next week, Troy and I will be back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk, because I wanted to talk to him uh, about Spider-Man Far From Home, so next week we'll probably have a spoilerific episode on that one. Uh, I'll have hopefully finished uh, season three of Jessica Jones, and I'll uh, probably have beaten my little palate cleanser from Borderlands 2, which is a game called Trover Saves the Universe by Rick and Morty creator of voice actor uh, Justin Roiland. So, 
that's been it. I hope you've enjoyed everything. I hope you go out and check some of this stuff out or tweet at me or Instagram. Not Maybe not Instagram at me, but um, Facebook at us or email. And all that's on the website, www.bacnpodcast.com. So uh, from Nut Nerd Vomit, bleh, from Nerd Vomit, uh, I'm Doug. I'm a nerd, and this has been my vomit. And I'm out like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Oh, yeah.